Hey, welcome to the Steamboat Christian Center podcast, where our greatest goal is to love God and love people. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us on social media or at steamboat.church. We're so glad you joined us today. Let's jump into this week's message. Well, welcome everyone. So glad that you could join us today. In fact, it's going to be a great day. We're going to end this service by taking communion together and uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper and remembering what God has done for us. So glad that you're with us. Uh, We are in the middle of a series, as you've heard, called Dis- Ease, dis-ease. And what we're doing is, is we're looking at some of the things that have a tendency to make our souls sick. And today I want to talk about a big one. I want to talk about the tortured soul, the tortured soul. Now, I don't know if you had this happen to you when you were a kid, but uh, when I was a kid, I got bullied a little bit. I know that that's not surprising. I'm a little obnoxious, and uh, you can imagine myself, uh, my big mouth getting me in trouble. But uh, I grew up in a trailer park over in Craig, Colorado, and uh, as you can imagine, there's probably a few bad seeds in that trailer park. And uh, I specifically remember one kid who loved torturing me. His name, I've never forgot it. It It is etched in my mind. His name is Spencer Schaefer. Isn't that a great name for a bully? Spencer Schaefer, yeah. Uh, uh, and Spencer, anytime he saw me running around the, uh, the the trailer park, he would come and he would tackle me and he'd get on top of me and he'd put his knees on my arms and then he would uh, he would pull up my shirt and he would give me a thing called the pink belly. You know what a pink belly is? He would just slap my belly as hard as he could until it turned pink. And I would just scream like a little girl, man. It was brutal. But that isn't even the worst part. The worst part is is that when he would sit over the top of me, he would get his face right over the top of my face, and he would hawk a loogie. Now, that's just basically, that's a trailer park talk for spit. He would bring some spit into his mouth and he would lean right over my face and he would let that spit just kind of slowly dribble out and hang right over my face. And right before it touched me or fell on me, he would suck it back up into his mouth. (laughs) I know that is disgusting. And uh, I promise you, as bad as it sounds, it was much worse than you can even imagine. But here's the strange thing. Strange thing happened. Um, Because he was always torturing me, I began to look for someone that I could torture to kind of get that out of my system. And of course, my little brother Ty was the obvious choice for me. Um, and so I tackled him to the ground and I pinned his arms down with my knees and, and I got over him and I gave him a pink belly. And then I, then I hawked a loogie, pulled it up there and I, and I, and I started to let that thing hang right over his face and he just was screaming and squirming. But the problem was is this, is that that trick takes a little bit of practice to master and right when I got that thing dangling over his face it broke off and fell right flat right in his face man it was brutal and so as I thought about that this week I realized I needed to take this opportunity to apologize to my brother Ty if you're watching right now I want to just let you know I'm sorry for torturing you as a kid uh, I, I know that it was wrong and I am, am genuinely sorry about that I really am hmm. all right now that, now that that's over, I kind of feel better about myself. I feel good. I've been carrying that guilt for all of these years, and now it's all gone. Uh, Ty, if you're watching, I hope you feel better. Uh, now that I think about it, you're probably not watching because you still hate my guts, and, uh, and I was such a turkey as a brother. So anyway, typically, 
When you and I think of the word torture, when we think of torture, we generally think about physical torture. We think about being physically tortured. But today, what I want to talk to you about is uh, spiritual torture of the soul. I want to talk about how we are tortured spiritually in our souls. Um, We've got a key thought that has been kind of driving this series. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And that is this. We are not a body that has a soul. No, no, no. We are actually a soul that has a body. We are a soul with a body. The Bible tells you and I that these bodies that we have, they are simply vessels to hold our souls. And one day these bodies are going to die, but our souls, the Bible says, are going to live on forever. And, and, and maybe this is why Jesus said, he said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? And I see so many people in our world that are kind of living this way and they, they're spending a lot of time and energy focusing on and caring for these bodies, but they completely ignore the health and the condition of their souls. And since our soul is eternal, I think it's a good idea for us every now and then to do a little soul care, to take a look inside and clean it up and fix it and bring healing to it. And that's what we've been doing these last few weeks. I want to show you a verse right off the bat here. First Peter chapter two, verse 11. Uh, Peter said this, he, he wrote these words. He said, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Hmm, interesting. There's something going on against our soul. Romans chapter 17, verse, 20, uh, verse 15, the apostle Paul, I love this. This is one of my favorite passages. He points out that our souls are often tortured by this inner war, this inner battle with sin and and shame and guilt. Watch what he says. This Maybe you can identify with this. He says this, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Oh, what a wretched, miserable man I am. Who can free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? In other words, Paul is saying, listen, I generally want to do good. I genuinely want to do good in this world, but there's this power that's inside of me that that kind of bullies me, that tortures me and pushes me into doing bad things that I don't want to do. The Bible is clear, my friend. Our souls are under attack, and we need to be aware of that. And so the question today is, what tortures our souls? What tortures our souls the most? Well, I've got two big ones I want to give you. Write these down if you're taking notes. Number one, we are tortured by the sinful things that we have done. You and I are tortured by the sinful things that we've done in our past. When you and I do something that breaks the heart of God, we feel guilty. It is how we are wired. We feel that guilt, right? And when we carry that guilt with us, it just tortures us. It just devastates us. Look at this verse uh, that David wrote in uh, Psalms 38, verse three. He said, my health is broken because of my sin. My health isn't all that it should be because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me and it is a burden that is too heavy to bear. Sin and guilt 
can really do a lot of damage in our lives. We don't think about it, but it can it can do a lot of damage. And you and I, we all know that feeling. We know that feeling when we do something that we're kind of ashamed of. You know that feeling when you've done something and you just kind of get this sense of, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. We all know that feeling. And as we grow up, you and I have learned ways to, uh, to numb those feelings or to ignore them completely. But the truth is, is those things never go away. They stay right in our soul. The guilt from our past sins that we commit just kind of pile up on top of each other and weigh us down. You and I, we all have these areas of sin that we struggle with. Uh, maybe you struggle with overeating or maybe uh, overspending is your challenge or oversharing. You like to gossip and talk about other people or maybe you struggle with lust or pornography or perhaps there's an addiction in your life. Uh, you, you, you drink or you take pills or you smoke too much because of this addiction in your life. What we do is that we try to hide those things. We try to stuff those things down and we try to ignore those things that we've done wrong. But it is always in there secretly torturing us on the inside. And no doubt about it, you and I, we are tortured by the things that we have done in our past. Number two, number two, we're also tortured by the lies that we believe. We're tortured by these lies. We believe these lies that the enemy, our spiritual enemy, whispers into our ears and those lies just torture us. They bring us down. John chapter eight, verse 44, Jesus said this. He said, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he is speaking his native tongue. For he is a liar and he is the father of all lies. The point I'm trying to make to you is, is that Satan is constantly lying to us and talking to us about ourselves. And when we believe in what he says about us, we are basically giving him permission to, to put us in a prison cell of, of defeat and negativity. We just lock ourselves into this bad place that we can't get out of. And, and, and there are so many people that I run into uh, outside the church and sometimes even on the inside of the church that are believing the lies that the enemy is saying to them. And it is completely wrecking uh, the good things that are going on around them. It, it is destroying the good things that God has given them. And they're tortured in their souls because they are prisoners to something that isn't even true. It's incredibly sad. Our enemy is constantly talking to us and saying, listen, if, if people knew, if people knew what you had done, if people were aware, they wouldn't like you anymore. They would reject you. You better keep that thing hidden. You better keep that sin hidden or you're gonna be all alone in this world if it gets out. And those things just go through our head. And then what's worse is that our enemy loves to connect what we've done to who we are. He loves to connect the things that we do sometimes and, and, and cause that to become our identity. You know, it, he talks to us. He's like, oh, you've done something bad. You know what that means? You're a bad person. Oh, you failed at this one thing. Guess what that makes you? You're a failure. And we carry these lies around us and these secret sins and these secret failures are inside us everywhere we go. And what we don't realize is that these things are killing us on the inside. They are torturing our souls. It's like what Paul said. Oh, what a miserable man that I am. Who can set me free from this nightmare that I'm living? And so, 
Over the last few weeks, what we've done is, is we've looked at some people who, uh, who talk to their souls. In the Bible, we find some people who are encouraging themselves in the Lord, who are preaching to their souls to get their souls to snap out of it. Last week, we saw David say, oh, uh, why so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. Remember that? Well, today, I want to give you two things that I want to you to say to your soul. I want you to tell your soul these two very simple things, and it will change your life. It will set you free from being tortured by your past and being tortured by the lies that you believe. Here it is. Number one, write this. Tell your soul that it is better to confess your sins than to hide them. It's better to confess them than to hide them. Now, this runs completely opposite to what we think is true. We think it's so much better to hide our sins, to not let that stuff get out. But it's not. It is always better to tell the truth to God. It is always better. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Uh, Solomon said this. He who conceals his sins does not prosper but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy in their lives. See, you and I, we think that if we hold our sins on the inside, that will protect us, that will keep us safe. But the truth is, is that when we hold our sins on the inside, it actually poisons us. It actually begins to kill us. It's a little bit like uh, food poisoning. You ever, you ever had a case of food poisoning? Oh man, that is a nasty, <laughs> nasty deal. And, and what happens is, is that when you consume some, uh, some of that poison, your body immediately wants to reject it, right? I mean, you know it, and sometimes violently, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Every, anywhere that you have a hole in your body, your body's trying to get that poison out of it. I know that that's gross, but you're sitting on the pot and you're, you're kind of coming out at the bo both ends. It's a disgusting thing, I get it. But here, it's true. In fact, one time I got food poisoning and man, I got so sick. Uh, I felt so bad that I was afraid I was going to die. I mean, I just, is it? And then as if that wasn't bad enough, it got worse. And then I became afraid that maybe I might not die and I'd have to live with this. This was brutal, right? And so the truth is, is that when we get sick like that, when we get poison in our bodies, none of us want to go through the process of getting it out, but it helps. It saves us. And in the same way, unconfessed sin is poison to our souls. See, the Bible says that our enemy, Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. He wants to do that, and he's always looking for ways to do that. The easiest way I have found for him to do that is through my unconfessed sin. Why? Because I'm poisoning myself. I'm carrying around this poison and allowing it to kill my soul. And so don't fall for that trick, man. Get that junk out of you. Get that sin out of you. Confess your sins to God. And when you let it out, what you'll find is you'll find mercy. You'll find grace. You'll find forgiveness. And you'll find help for your situation in your time of need, okay? Now, now I just want to make this clear. As believers, there are two directions that we need to confess our sins. Not, most Christians don't, don't know this, but there are actually two directions that we need to confess our sins. The first one is, is that we need to confess our sins to God for forgiveness. 
We need to confess our sins to God for forgiveness. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says that if we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just and will forgive us for all of our unrighteousness. Well, I tell you what, I highly recommend you memorize that verse because it is a simple but incredibly important truth. We got to know this option. We got to know that that's how it works. When we cry out to God through Jesus, our sins are forgiven. That's it. They're forgiven. Not only that, not only are they forgiven, the Bible says that they're forgotten. That God takes our sins and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. See, sometimes we're like, God, you know what? You remember that thing that I did? You remember that nasty thing I did? Man, I'm sorry about that. And God's like, no, I don't remember. I don't remember. And he doesn't. It's, it's kind of like uh, God has a, a, an etch-a-sketch. You know what? I, remember those etch-a-sketches? Yeah, the uh, I, I, best way I can describe it is kind of like a laptop for rednecks, right? It's just something. <laughs> you could scribble all over it with all these lines, make all these designs. And if you didn't like what you, you drew, you take it and you shake it and everything would disappear. And it would be gone forever. It would be gone forever. And in God's eyes, when you confess your sins to him, they are gone forever. Some of you, I know this is true, some of you still feel guilt over something that has happened in your past. You're still feeling guilt for that thing that you did, for that divorce, for that whatever that situation was. And the truth is, is that if you have confessed that to God, He has forgiven you. It's gone. And you need to let that go. You need to let it go. Amen? Okay, but there's another step of confession that so many people never take and they're missing out on something that God has for us. It's important that we confess our, we confess to God for forgiveness. It's important that we confess to God for forgiveness, but also that we confess to people for our healing. That we, for, we confess to one another to find healing for our souls. James chapter five, verse 16, James says this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's an interesting thought there. You know, whenever someone comes to me and we're talking and they're telling me about something they're going through, when they say these words, Pastor Troy, what I'm about to tell you, I've never told anyone before. When I hear those words, I instantly think, we're about to have a big breakthrough right here. Something is about to get broken off of this person. Why? Because there is a healing that happens to our souls when we confess our sins to each other. There's a healing that takes place when we share our struggles and our trials with one another. Um, and it's one of the reasons why we're so big here at Steamboat Christian Center on you being a part of a connect group, you being in, in regeneration, which, uh, boy, I hope you can make it to regeneration. Why? Because there's just something about being around a group of trusted friends, people who are believers, people who are walking with God, and, and, that, and you're praying for one another. There's something powerful that when we pray for one another, and there's something powerful when we confess our sins to one another. It brings healing. 
But I know, I know what you're thinking. It's like, man, that is the worst thing that you've ever suggested me to do. Go tell people my failures, but it works. I know we're afraid of doing it, but it works. The enemy will try to convince you that, to never share what you have. You know why? Because he knows that as long as that sin stays hidden in your soul, it has a power over you. It has a power to kill you and to destroy you. But when you confess it, you find freedom and you find healing for that soul. Now, let me be clear. I'm not encouraging you right now to, you don't need to tell everyone everything that you ever did. You never, don't need to get on Facebook and just post to the whole world all of your junk. Don't do that. But you do need to tell someone something. You should find a good friend and share that thing that's been torturing you on the inside. And when you do that, watch how the power over that completely fades away in your life. That it just, the power that that has over you completely fades away. It's, 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 it's totally counterintuitive, but it works. I encourage you to do that. So number one, you need to do that. Now, listen, so number one, you need to tell your soul, soul, it is better to confess my sins than to hide them. But number two, you need to tell your soul this. You need to tell your soul that Christ will set you free. Christ can set you free. That's right. Some of you right now are listening to this. You need to know this, that you need to know that you don't have to be tortured because of the things that you've done in your past. You don't have to be bullied anymore. You don't have to live in this secret world anymore. You don't have to live that way. There is a better way. Satan is always telling you, no, 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 no. You're always gonna be this way. You're always gonna struggle with this addiction. You're always gonna wrestle with that problem. But the Bible says, wherever the spirit of God is, there is freedom. The Bible says that he whom the son sets free is free indeed. I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. But some of you need to hear that in your soul. That's the truth. That's what the word of God says. But we convinced ourselves that we're gonna be stuck there forever. Don't fall for that. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Troy, why am I not free right now? I don't feel free. I mean, I'm still struggling with the same sins and the same behaviors and the same addictions. Maybe Satan is right that I'll never be, I'll never be different. I'll always be this way. All right, then let's get the word of God. Let's put the word of God into this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul gives us a couple of truths here, and then he gives us a key to finding freedom in Christ. Check this out. He says this. He says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. That's the first truth. In other words, whatever you're going through, whatever you're tempted by, you need to understand that your temptation isn't something super special and that it has a hold over you like it's never had a hold on anyone else. That's not true. That these temptations that you and I face, they're not extra powerful in our lives. They're there and everybody, many people have struggled with them and it can be overcome. So don't give your temptation too much credit. Don't give your addiction too much credit. It is common to man and it can be overcome. And then it says this, and God is faithful. That is so good to remember, that God is faithful to us. Even when we're faithless, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. In other words, there's no temptation that you can give an excuse to and say, I'm just this way, I can't stop it, I can't overcome it. No, that's not what the word of God says. He says this, though. But when you are tempted, here's the key to finding freedom. He says, but when you are tempted, God will provide a way out. He will provide a way out so that you can stand up under that temptation. In other words, my friend, you don't have to stay in bondage 
to that sin and addiction anymore. Why? Because God has provided a way out for you. There is always a way out in the time of temptation. Now, some of you are like, well, where is it, man? I never see it. it How do I find it? Well, let me tell you something. It's closer than you think. It's so much closer. Let me illustrate it this way. Back when I was in middle school, um, I used to play a video game. One of our favorite video games, of course, was Pac-Man, but one of my favorites was Asteroids. You might remember Asteroids. And Asteroids didn't have great graphics. It was very simple. But it was a very challenging game. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically you had this small little triangular ship in the middle of the screen, right? And that there were these big giant asteroids that were kind of floating around through the screen coming at it, right? And when a big asteroid was coming towards your ship, you had three choices. Number one, you could blast it with your blaster and break it up if you could do that. Number two, if you were getting a little swamped, you could kind of move out of the way. You could kind of thrust yourself out of the way, push a little bit of thruster and move out of the way, but that caused some problems. But there was a third option. There, if you were really in trouble, man, you were just totally, it was all closing in on you. You had this button that was right in the middle of the console, kind of down at the bottom. And, uh, and, and, and if you hit that button, it's interesting. If you hit that button, you would disappear. And then all of a sudden you would suddenly reappear somewhere else on the screen. Now, does anybody remember what that button was? That's right. Hyperspace hyperspace. Now, that was a cool little button, but the problem was is that most people forgot about hyperspace. Most people forgot that they had access to that. They would they would start to see these asteroids coming in, they'd get in trouble, and they would basically just white-knuckle themselves trying to get through that trouble, and they'd end up getting killed. But here's the thing. I'm here to tell you that in the kingdom of God, there is a button that you can use And it's not called hyperspace, no, no. Whenever you find yourself in a difficult situation and temptations are closing in fast, there's always a way out. It's called hyper grace. Not hyperspace, hyper grace. Isn't that good? Come on, that's good preaching. Hyper grace. What happens? When you and I call on God in the midst of our temptation, God promises to hyper grace us out of danger. He promises to open a portal in space to get us out of that dangerous situation. He will provide a way out. But the challenge is, is you got to remember to use it. You got to remember to look for it. You got to remember to ask for it. You got to say, God, I'm feeling a little tempted here. I'm feeling a little weak. I'm surrounded by this thing. I'm feeling like I want to go do that thing that I don't want to do. Bring your hyper grace into this place and help me get the heck out of here. And the Bible promises that Christ will set you free from that temptation. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours whether or not to look for that, to look for that opening, to look for that out. And so often, we skip that. And some of you right now, speaking of choice, you're at a decision point. You're at a decision point. You're like, you know, what am I going to do? Are you going to continue to carry this secret that you have? Are you going to continue to hide in your sin and allow the enemy to torture your soul? Or are you going to ask God for help? Are you going to ask him to get you out of here? Are you going to ask for some hyper grace to come into your life? I want to read you one last verse, and then I want to pray, and I want to take communion together as a church. Here we go. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this. Listen, he jumps right in the middle of it. Peter says, he himself, Jesus, he himself carried our sins in his body on the cross. Now, why did he do that? so that you and I 
can be dead to sin, that sin will no longer have power in our lives and we can live for what is right. We can live the good life. We can live this life of abundance that God has for us. Look at this next phrase. It says this, by Jesus's wounds, by the wounds that he took on his body, we are healed. Let me just stop there and tell you that because Jesus was tortured, you and I don't have to be. Because Jesus went through that torture, you and I get to escape that whole situation. We don't have to live with a tortured soul. Once you were like sheep who always were wandering away, but now you have turned back, you have repented, you have repointed your life back to your shepherd. I love this last line, the guardian of your souls, the guardian of the part of your life that's gonna live on forever. My friend, there is help for the tortured soul. There is uh, an antidote to the tortured soul. And I think part of it is, is reminding ourselves that there is freedom in Christ, that it has been bought and paid for and we have access to it. Let's take a few moments as we've done over the last few weeks to just stop and pause and reflect and meditate on our good God and on the freedom that he's given us. Would you pray with me? Bow your heads and your hearts if you would. Father, for those that are here right now that are tortured by their past, that they look back and they're constantly haunted by these memories of things that they've done or things that have been done to them, of bad choices, of failures, and they're just constantly thinking of that, I pray for them. I lift up those who are also tortured by the lies that they have believed about themselves, by the lies that they have believed about you. Lord, you said that if we would know the truth, the truth would set us free. So many people are in prison, but they don't know the truth. And the truth is, is that you are with us, that wherever your spirit is, there is freedom. The truth is, is that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, we constantly remind ourselves and tell ourselves that it's better to hide our sin, to hide our junk and to bury that stuff in our souls. But today we say to our souls, no, 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 Christ has set us free. We are free. Your word promises that if we would simply confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us for all of our unrighteousness. And we choose to believe that truth. So today, God, We come to you and we confess our hidden sins to you. We confess our secret junk that is slowly killing us on the inside. And we remind ourselves of what you have done for us. Today, Lord, as as a church and as a family, we we take the Lord's Supper together. I got this little Trisket and this uh, grape juice here that I pulled together. And, and, And these are just symbolic of your body and of your blood that was shed for us. And we remind ourselves that you said to do this in remembrance of me. That's what communion is about. It is remembering what you've done for us, what you went through for us. And so God, we thank you for your body. We thank you for giving your body. We thank you for you being arrested so that we could go free. God, we remind ourselves that you were tortured on the cross that that your body was tortured on the cross so that we don't have to go through this torture. We thank you for giving your body. We thank you for giving us your blood that we may be set free from the power of sin and death in our lives. We love you and we thank you for the freedom that we have in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. All God's children say amen.